hit me. Hi, and welcome to the VR Gaming Podcast, podcast about VR gaming, VR news, VR hardware, and VR reviews. I'm your host, Nick Lane. It is the sixth episode of the VR Gaming Podcast, and it is Sunday, September 29th, and it's a good time to be doing a podcast because a few days ago, we just had OC6, also known as Oculus Connect 6, so uh, that's when Oculus gives their yearly update about uh, kind of a year in review and also what to expect in upcoming VR hardware games uh, from Oculus and Facebook. So great time to connect. I'm going to cover that, of course, Uh, give you an update of some of the highlights of what happened in VR news in the last month. Uh, The earlier episode this month was purely on reviewing the Oculus Quest, so I didn't do any news. So there's, there's there's some developments since then. Uh, We'll cover that. I'll give you my commentary on it as well. And I'll also have some reviews lined up. uh, Two games, Bullet Roulette VR, which came out in September, and then Vanishing Realms, which is not a new game. Uh, It's one of actually the original games that came out when when kind of VR was launched in 2016. Uh, But it just came out of early access in August, so I'm going to do a full review of that in case you missed it and you're curious. All right, before I get into the news, I just want to share an anecdote, and this is sort of serving as an update from the last show where I reviewed the Oculus Quest. And if you remember and you listened to that, there was there was a bit of a nuance. I, I bought the Quest, but I ended up sending it back. And, you know, who knows, maybe in the future I'll buy it again, especially when we get to the news section. I, there might be some good reasons to do so. But uh, I wasn't down on the Quest, and in fact, I had someone reach out to me Interestingly enough, right around the time I did that interview, a, a friend from the pinball community, and uh, he had played Beat Saber, uh, and that was kind of his experience with VR, and he was asking what he should get or how he should go about getting into VR. And based on his situation, because he didn't have a PC to run it and would have to build or buy one, I said, look, get the Quest. You're going to love it as your, your your introduction to VR. It's It's simple to get into. It's very affordable, and then if you like that and you're and you're into it, then then maybe jump up to a PC and uh, kind of up your game in terms of VR. Well, anyways, he's a lifelong gamer, and uh, he he's my age, and uh, he got it. And I saw a post of his on Facebook, and he kind of outlined some of his best memories ever in gaming. He kind of went through the years, and then he said nothing compared uh, out of all those memories, nothing compared to his first hour or so playing VR. I think he was playing uh, Super Hot. That was a, an important game for him and Beat Saber. So here's somebody who is a gamer who just is fully really experiencing VR for the first time. And the Oculus Quest blew him away and was and is now his most premier uh, memorable moment in gaming. So that says a lot. And uh, true to my word, I, I do recommend the Quest to people who are getting into VR, even though I currently don't have one. So thought you guys might appreciate a little anecdote. I love hearing things like that. I love the moment when somebody ex- really experiences VR for the first time and sees the magic of VR the way you and I do, and, and we know how awesome it is. But it's kind of crazy to think about that so many people who, who are gamers, who are lifelong gamers, really have no clue in terms of how awesome VR is. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who have yet to really experience VR. So uh, the, the Quest is doing a fantastic job of making it accessible. It will continue to do so. You know, we've got the holiday season coming up in a couple of months. That's going to introduce a heck of a lot more people into VR. I'm sure there's people getting uh, the Quest for Christmas. I'm sure there's a lot of people, I should say, getting the Quest for Christmas. And it's just going to grow as those people get headsets and then share it with their friends and we get more games that will get people into that, and maybe even the price point dropping as well, even though I think it's incredibly affordable, especially for what it's offering. All right, let's get into the news, and a perfect place to start is with OC6. Let's talk about the highlights. I was able to watch um, the first maybe couple hours of it, Basically, Mark Zuckerberg's keynote when he comes out and, and, you know, this is 
starting OC6 off is, you know, their most important news, right? They want to start off with a bang. And what do they start off with? Well, it's the Oculus Quest. So things are good with the Quest. We've heard things are going good with the Quest. The Quest is selling well. It's exceeded their expectations. Uh, they, they, they said some stat where Oculus has now sold over $100 million worth of software. That's Rift, Quest, every, everything since kind of their inception. That seems like good news. Um, but one thing that we can take away before we even dive into specifics of OC6 is that Oculus, probably to no surprise to, to many at this point, their main focus, hands down, if, if it wasn't apparent before, it's apparent now, is the Oculus Quest. And there were some pretty big announcements around the Quest. Uh, the first big announcement is the Oculus Link, which is a USB cable, which you'll now be able to tether. Well, I shouldn't say now, in November, right around the corner. You'll be able to tether your Oculus Quest to a PC if you have a PC. So then if your PC is powerful enough, you'll be able to run all of the Oculus Rift games in that library. This is a big deal. Uh, there's a lot of Rift games. A, a lot of the games that somebody might want to play are Rift games. And now the Oculus Quest is officially able to be connected to the PC. Does that mean that you can now play, uh, when it comes out, uh, games on Steam VR? I, I don't know. I don't. That wasn't covered in the keynote. I don't know if that information is out there. I haven't come across it. I, I wouldn't, I don't see why you wouldn't be able to, but that would be huge because I have friends who have the quest and I would love to be able to uh, play some PC VR games with them provided they have computers. Um, I remember watching this a few days ago and watching the chat and the chat was not, the chat was both kind of impressed and happy, but m most of the tone of this was uh, just frustration because there's Rift S owners and the Rift S, which is the tethered uh, headset from Oculus that came out this year as well, back in May, just, I mean, it's like, is this obsolete now? People are saying it's obsolete. People are saying, rest in peace, rip Rift S. Uh, maybe that's true dramatic, but I certainly understand where they're coming from because now it, it, it's so apparent that they want the, that Facebook and Oculus want the Quest to be the be-all and end-all of headsets. And fast forwarding throughout the whole presentation, they barely mentioned or talked about the Rift S, which you got to wonder what's going on with PC VR for Oculus. I think they're just going to focus on mobile. They'll let you tether it, but mobile VR for them is where it, it's at. And they're not pushing the boundaries of PC VR the way Valve is, right? Or HTC is trying to make the best PC VR headset. Uh, the focus is on the Quest. I, I, I think in many ways that's good. I think the, the Quest is awesome because uh, it's going to get more people into VR than uh, just a simple tethered uh, VR headset that requires a powerful PC. There's no doubt about it because the price point is, is way less. I think in an ideal world, I would love to see Oculus making this amazing uh, mobile VR device, which is the Quest, and also pushing the boundaries and making an awesome PC VR headset, but the Rift just isn't that. The Rift is locked at an 80 hertz refresh rate, which is lower than than the Index. It's lower than the Windows Mixed Reality. It's lower than the Vive Cosmos. Uh, the The speaker system that's built in on the Rift S is pretty much garbage. There's, you know, and they and they farmed that design out to the Lenovo. You just see them kind of washing their hands of any effort of PC VR. So that's left up to valve which is you know they're they've got some challenges around their index which is a thousand dollars it's six hundred dollars more than the rift s and htc which we'll talk about in a bit um, but that was the focus that was the focus was the oculus quest and the innovations around that the other announcement centered around the oculus quest which is huge well pretty huge is uh it will be able to do hand tracking in the spring uh, that's going to be like in, in a beta format. So when you're using the Oculus Quest, you don't have to have controllers necessarily. Obviously, there's going to be games you need controllers, but 
Uh, you can put your controllers down and it's going to be able to track your hands. It looked impressive. I can see this being a good application like in a, in a social setting, which uh, Oculus is now building basically as a social platform. It looks sort of like they're doing their version of VR chat. Um, long awaited, needed to happen kind of deal. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, the, there's some impressive innovations with the Quest. It's only getting better. Now, for, for me, does that make me wish I didn't sell it? Not necessarily, because even with connecting the Oculus Quest to the PC, that doesn't solve the issue of it, the fact that it's an uncomfortable headset, at least for me. And I think when I look at comments and hear it from other people, they find it uncomfortable after uh, as well. I, I think the mileage will vary on that. For some people like myself, it becomes pretty damn uncomfortable after 20, 30 minutes. Other people can, you know, say after two hours, it's super uncomfortable. So, and, and there's everything in between. I don't think Rift S owners need to totally despair because they've got a headset that's more comfortable. Uh, the refresh rate's better on it. Uh, so there's, those things are important. If you're a Rift S owner and you don't care about the portability of your headset, which I don't care about portability of headsets because I play VR in my VR room, then you don't have to you don't have to worry so much about the quest because you do have the superior headset for connecting and being tethered to a PC. All right, some other news from OC6, and this is good news for the Rift S owners here. Uh, Asgard's Wrath, which is looks like a AAA game, that's going to be coming out for the Rift on October 10th. This has been years in the making. They're saying that the game has at least 40 hours of story content. I guess there's more content if you do, I'm, I'm assuming, like side quests and things like that. Uh, a couple days ago, it was just revealed that the file size is 121 gigabytes because of high-res textures. I don't, I don't know what that means. Some of the, the buzz around online saying it's just because it's poorly compressed and People don't want to deal with a huge file size on their computer and trying to figure out how to fit this on their computer. So um, it's sort of bragging that there's a lot there, but it's also like mm, maybe maybe presents some challenges and didn't need to be that big or there was a better approach to it. Regardless, it's really good news that there's a original game that's coming out that was built for VR from the ground up and has at least 40 hours of content. This is what we've been waiting for. Hopefully the game itself is actually good. Uh, as I don't have a Rift, I'm going to have to try to run this through Revive. And I've not actually used Revive before, so it's going to be a good, a good experiment. I'll take the smart wait-and-see approach and let some other people uh, kind of go through that process and see if it works well through Revive. And if it does, if it's a good game, then I'll, I'll gladly pick that up. And then their other big game, uh, Stormland, which people have been waiting for years for this as well, is dropping on November 14th, and that is a, a first-person shooter. It's also drop-in and drop-out co-op combat, and that's great news as well because uh, I think multiplayer in general, I, I gravitate to those games, and multiplayer in VR I think is fantastic and really fun. Uh, there's Nothing is better to me than, than multiplayer in VR, and co-op is a lot of fun. So these are this is great news that we've got release dates for these games. They're supposed to be high quality games. Let's hope they're good. Let's hope they're not a bummer because um, there's only one other game really on the horizon in terms of sort of this this triple A PC VR game, and that was the announced at OC six, uh, the long awaited game that Respawn has been working on. And Respawn, you might know them from from Titanfall, and that is. And, and the Call of Duty series, uh, that is Medal of Honor. So I've never played the Medal of Honor games, but that name should ring a bell if you're into gaming and you've been into gaming for uh, well over 10 years. Uh, that's coming out sometime in 2020. It's a World War II first-person shooter. It looks pretty good from the, the trailer. And uh, Respawn is a game that uh, is a company that's respected. So I imagine that after working on this for several years, it's going to be a good game. Uh, it's nice that it's a game that's built from the ground up in VR. I hope it does well because we do desperately need some of these longer playing AAA games to really showcase uh, the value of VR. Uh, we just we, we don't have a lot of instances like that uh, that's really 
really good news. And and speaking of which, I kind of talked about this before in terms of of the need for a AAA game. Uh, there's a lot of games in VR to keep one occupied when they get into VR. So it's we don't want to send the message that there's nothing to play in VR because that that's not true. When we say we need a AAA game, I think what people are saying is that we need a game that's going to sell VR to the masses. Right now, uh, that game sort of has been Beat Saber, but it's not really been. Beat Saber definitely was a game that got a lot of buzz. It sold a lot. And I'm sure some people, well, I know that many people got into VR because of Beat Saber. However, it's not a, the, the killer app that we're waiting for. And I think that could be something that a lot of us are hoping Valve puts out. So Valve is supposed to release three flagship VR games. The speculation is, I, I, I think people are, are betting on either Half-Life, which I like Half-Life, I remember playing Half-Life 2 when it came out and building a PC back in 2000, I think, 4 it was, just for Half-Life and taking a day off from work uh, just to play Half-Life 2. And then Left 4 Dead, which Left 4 Dead is easily one of my favorite games ever made. I remember taking off from work when Left 4 Dead 2 came out and staying up until like 4 a.m. to play it. So uh, Valve makes fantastic games that really move things ahead, that gets people excited. If Valve came out, with Half-Life VR or and or Left 4 Dead VR, that is potentially the thing that you can... Like, if you call yourself a gamer and you're not in VR, that's the kind of... Those are the kind of games where you almost can't call yourself a gamer unless you go out and buy a VR system and are playing Half-Life and Left 4 Dead in VR. I think the hope is that this is sort of the moment that we'll be talking about in several years that, oh, yeah... People really got into VR once Valve released some flagship games of Half-Life VR or Left 4 Dead VR. It's like there was this mass adoption of VR. That's what we're waiting for when we say we need a AAA game. It's to sell PC VR, which if you're an enthusiast, the quest is great, but you know it, it, it lacks in, in some immersion just because of the limitations of it. Impressive, yes, but not where we want to be. We want to be more immersive, and we want to be pushing the boundaries of VR. And uh, fingers crossed, Valve does that. I think a lot of us were hoping that Valve was going to release and announce what their flagship game is during the OC6 uh, event. Kind of, they, 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 they tend to throw a little bit of shade Facebook's, Facebook's way. When Facebook makes a big announcement, Valve likes to kind of one-up, one-up them and do the same. They've done that in the past. This didn't happen, but... Uh, you know, Valve has said that they will release or announce the game before the end of 2020, which we're getting close to. So hopefully, fingers crossed, that comes you know, almost any day or any week now. Since we're on the topic of Valve, let's, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about the index and how, where things are at with that. So I've been paying attention, as I mentioned in the past, about what's going on with the index because I'm, I'm sort of in the market for one, right? And uh, a new set of problems are cropping up for their much uh, maligned controllers. First, it was the, the non-clicking, clicking issue. But now a, a bigger problem is, is, is kind of showing up, and that's uh, controller joystick drift. So the, the joystick, the, the controller stick on the Valve Index controllers, people are saying something like after 50 hours, the drift will show up. So there's a lot of people, I'm guessing, who have these controllers that aren't playing games that are using the joysticks or haven't put enough time in, uh, but it sounds like a ticking time bomb for a lot of people that after enough time and hours have gone by of using it, uh, you'll get drift. So what that means is, is sort of like it sounds, if you're playing a game that uses the joystick and you're just standing there not touching it, your character, you'll, you'll start just drifting to the left or right without moving the joystick, which is a huge problem. I mean, you can't, you can't have that in a game. And there's nothing that you can do through software to fix it. The joystick's just messed up. So people have had to RMA it and send it back. And uh, if you look at some of the, the posts on Reddit, you'll see a lot of people are, who are like on their second or third controllers and they're still having problems. Now, granted, there's plenty of people who say, listen, I'm not having any issues, but reading in between the lines, I, you know, the people who don't have issues, it sounds like maybe they just haven't used the joysticks enough or aren't using games that have the joystick. So that's uh I, I'm still not jumping in until that's fixed. And I have to wonder if Valve is trying to get these issues sorted out before they announce their flagship game 
because undoubtedly, if they announce Half-Life VR or Left 4 Dead VR, that's going to sell more Valve indexes. And my guess is that if they're being smart around this, you know, they, they wanted to release the index first, sort out any issues, and then they'll announce their uh, VR game because they want they, they know people are going to buy the index and they want that to be as smooth as possible because nothing will hurt VR more than suddenly all these people jumping into VR who aren't necessarily VR enthusiasts but are now jumping into VR because Valve is making a VR game. And then their, their first experience with VR is a, a system that's broken and not working. The enthusiasts who bought the index early on are way more forgiving because we're the, the super nerds, the super enthusiasts, than people who are going to jump into VR for the first time. That's just my speculation on that. I think it makes a little bit of sense, and uh, I hope they can fix that. Word is that you know people are getting controllers now that the clicking issue has been resolved, so that's good. But we don't know if the drifting issue has been solved because, as mentioned before, you've got to put a lot of hours into to see that problem. And we don't know what Valve knew about that problem because while the clicking issue you can figure out right outside the box, the drifting issue you can't. And then the other issue is that Valve has full kits to buy for like, the, the, the headset, the base station, the controllers. And people who are getting the full kits are still getting controllers that have the clicking issue. So these are uh, controllers that aren't fixed or revised. reason for that is obviously when they, uh, the factory is assembling the full kits, um, you know, these are kits that might've been made in, in March, April, May, and just, they haven't sold all their full kits versus people who are just buying controllers. Well, that's easier. The controllers might be made, being made on demand. They might've been made, been made in July or August when the problem was known. So there's going to be a lag between, you know, when the full kits themselves are even to the point where they're working perfectly. So again, I'm taking the wait and see, maybe there's some sales around black Friday and I'll jump in then. Of course, I think there's like a year warranty on it. So if you just absolutely cannot wait for whatever reason, you could get the Valve Index now and then, uh, you know, get the controllers when they're just RMA, the controllers when they're bad. And uh, hopefully Valve has fixed it by then. All right. So let's shift gears. We got the, the HTC Vive Cosmos releasing on October 3rd. That's coming out. It's a, it's a new headset from HTC. That's going to retail for $699, and uh, it's going to be a 90 hertz. It's going to be an LCD display. Um, it kind of it's, it's kind of interesting. It's $300 more than the Rift S and the Oculus Quest, and $300 less than the Index. So sort of they're going right for the middle ground. It's an interesting price point. Uh, but they have some cool things along with the the Cosmos. It's uh, inside out tracking, which I've talked about before. But it has some modules, like they just announced uh, from the last week that they're going to be having a, like an eye-tracking module that's going to cost $150. Not too much information besides that, but that's cool. That's interesting. They're also going to have an add-on module that will allow you to put a face, like you could take the faceplate off to put a faceplate on it. That means you'll then be able to use uh, base station tracking. So Instead of the inside-out tracking, you lose base station tracking like one would use with the with the Vive or the Index. Um, not sure how much that's going to cost, but if you want better tracking, then then there you go. It's nice. I, I like the approach. I like the I like the approach of these add-ons so that you can kind of mix, match, mod, and create sort of the perfect VR headset to fit your situation. This is this is necessary. I mean. HTC needed to do something with the Cosmos to differentiate it at least a little bit from what the Rift is doing and the Vive is doing. So being in the middle price point helps. Having these add-on, these modules helps. And who knows what else they're going to come out with. Uh, I guess it is compatible with the wireless um, mod that, that currently works, or the, the wireless adapter that currently works with uh, the Vive and the Vive Pro. So that's another option. Um we'll see it's coming out this week and uh reviews will start coming in uh this week and uh well i'm not super excited about it i don't i don't see it being something i'm gonna get who knows i'll, I'll, I'll wait to reserve judgment on that and now for some uh kind of big gaming news which happened in the last month or so uh borderlands 2 vr has gotten a release date I've been waiting for this for some time i've just i've said in the past how i've been really looking forward to this game and that's going to be October 22nd. Now, unfortunately, it looks like there's a 99% chance pretty much 
that it's not going to have co-op, just like the PlayStation VR version didn't have co-op. I think the hope from a lot of people was that uh, we've been waiting so long for the PC version, and we were hoping that they were working on co-op for this. Well, that seems to not be the case, which is kind of crazy. I mean, this is this is a huge bummer. I was all set to get Borderlands 2 VR if it had co-op. The crazy thing is that game was made for co-op. It's not like it's a it's a game that's made for single player and, and you can play multiplayer co-op. Like it, the original one, Borderlands 2 and 3, was made so you can do this looter shooter with your friends. And when you take the main reason that the game was made out of the game, what are you left with? I I, I don't know. I, I'm so bummed. It's like a it's like a tease. You get so excited that you're gonna get this triple uh, A game that even though it wasn't built ground up for VR, uh, it's coming to VR, and you're like, great, uh, hours and hours and hours worth of fun. You can play with my friends. You know, I can play it with three people. Nope, it's gonna be this solitary experience. So I'll look at reviews, but I'm not. I'm not looking for a solo experience. I've got Skyrim. If I want an RPG-style game where I'm playing by myself, then Skyrim does a fantastic job. Borderlands 2, I would only get it for the multiplayer. I I don't know why they took that out. I mean, there's got to be a really good reason that they've done that because they know that it's a game that was made for co-op. I haven't seen anything from them where this was discussed, so you're left to speculation. The only thing that I could find is that uh, it's been mentioned that I guess there's a kind of like a slowing down time mechanism that's specific to the VR version that I guess wouldn't work with co-op. But take that out. I don't care about slowing down time at, at all. I want to play with my friends. I want more VR experiences that are multiplayer and especially co-op. I like playing Rec Room and the Quest with my friends. When I do like, the Rec Room Quest like the Jumbotron, which I was just doing the uh, the other day. That's so much fun to get in there with your buddies and to play VR multiplayer. And uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's a huge bummer. And I think that had this, or will this to have uh, co-op and multiplayer, I think that could sell people on VR. I, you know, there's people who absolutely love Borderlands, and if they were to find out that Borderlands is coming to VR, PC VR, and you could play uh, multiplayer with your friends, that would definitely sell VR headsets, no doubt. Whereas this, maybe it will sell some VR headsets. I don't doubt that it will, but not in the way that it would if it was co-op. Some other VR game release news is uh, Servios. So Servios, uh, Servios is is a VR studio that I, I respect. I think their first games were for VR. So I think they're exclusively like a VR studio. And uh, they put out, they, they have a talented team. They're, they're a talented developer and they put out games that I would say are high quality. Uh, but they're not without criticism because they tend to put out games that are arcadey that after you spend an hour in a Servios game, you're done with it, which is too bad because the games and the presentation and the quality of the games that are there are good. It's uh, it, it seems to me that they're sort of designed and for um, location VR, where you might you know get like an hour session and and pay to play VR for an hour and that's it, and you're gonna see the whole experience and you're good. Whereas in the home market, you buy this game for you buy one of their games for like thirty bucks, which is kind of their average price point, and inevitably uh, after a couple hours you're bored of it and never touch it again. At least that's been my experience, and when I read other people's reviews online. I think that's shared as well. And that's a valid criticism. Well, they had a couple games come out. The first game which came out was uh, Westworld in August. And that was a bit of a surprise. I don't think anybody had that on the radar. It was just sort of like, Servios is coming out with Westworld and then the next game it came, next day it came out. Looks like uh, they teamed up with HBO or HBO wanted a Westworld game in VR. And that's what they produced. Here's the good news. Uh, it's like a three-hour experience. So this is like, to me, three hours is, is legit enough for VR. Three, uh, that, that's, that's pretty good. I'll take it. It's a $30 game, so I haven't bought it yet. I'm sort of waiting for it to go on sale because 30 bucks for three hours, eh, it's like that's where I, I, I get to the point where like I, I think I'll wait a little bit. But I'm happy that Servios put out a game that that's long. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that might be like one of their longest games, if not their longest game. 
And uh, the reviews that I've seen and read about it is that uh, people are, are impressed with it. The reviews are positive. It's I don't want to call it a walking simulator so much, but it's it's sort of like that. It's not like a first-person shooter. I guess you're kind of walking through a story, and there's moments where you got to hide or evade, but sounds good. And uh, I remember I've watched the first season of Westworld, and uh, like I think a lot of people just gave up on season two. Can't really tell you why, but I, I lost interest in it. But uh, that's definitely a game I want to get. The other game that came out is Battlewake, and that, that's a game that we've known about for quite some time, well over a year, I'd say. I've done betas on it, and Battlewake reminds me of like the, if you remember Assassin's Creed when they had the pirate versions and you're doing like the uh, pirate ship battles. It's kind of like that, but in VR where you're just controlling the ship and aiming cannons. Again, a, a game that looks good, but uh, a game that I'm not interested in because the criticisms behind that is that basically after an hour, it's boring and repetitive. So maybe good for the VR arcades, but disappointing if you're yeah, be on your home, and uh, you're looking for a game where you're going to get hours and hours of content around. I really do hope that Servios, who, who again, I, I, I respect, and they're talented, I hope they start catering a little bit more to uh, uh, the enthusiasts, folks like us that have VR in our homes, which is growing every day, and we're desperate for games that are going to provide something like at least 10 hours. I mean, 10 hours of VR content would be huge, and Servios has the talent and I think the good judgment in creating a game to make a game that will just be uh, a really good seller and would justify their investment in a, in a longer playing game than the arcade games that they release. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. I, uh, I always like to see games that are released by Servios and I, uh, I hope that they start making longer playing games. All right, that's going to do it for the VR news. There was a lot to talk about, and uh, a lot can happen. I think uh, I like this kind of routine of doing it once a month because I can kind of hit the high points without getting into uh, minutia or drama or just trying to come up with content. So that's that's my approach. All right. By the way, I should mention that I've started streaming VR. I'd say unofficially. It's not like I have a set time and a schedule because, as mentioned before, I... Uh, I'm streaming pinball and I'm doing pinball podcasts. That's my main focus outside of my job. So this is just kind of a third thing that I do in terms of uh, a VR podcast and where my passion and enthusiasm lies. But uh, on Friday nights at 8 o'clock when I'm available, uh, I'm going to be trying to continue to stream VR. And that's on, if you go to our, our Buffalo Pinball Twitch channel, so twitch.tv slash Buffalo Pinball, subscribe to that, follow that, whatever you want to do. Uh, if you want to watch some live streamed VR, uh, I will be trying to do that on Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern. If you go there and you look in our past videos, you'll see some uh, for the last couple of weeks. So I, I streamed uh, uh, Pavlov, the Trader in Terrace Town, Trader, whatever, Trouble in Terrace Town. I did a video on that. And then I did some videos on Trover Saves the Universe. And then uh, this past Friday, I did uh, some rec room. We were doing the Jumbotron quest with some friends. So if you like live streaming of uh, VR, I'm going to be doing more of that. If there's some games that you want to watch me live stream or, or see, you can email me or uh, at uh, vrgamingpodcast at gmail.com. Reach out via uh, Twitter uh, as well. I'm certainly happy to take some suggestions. I can see myself doing Westworld VR uh, once maybe the price comes down on that. It seems like a fun game to stream and people can follow along because it's a story. All right, let's move on to the first review of uh, this episode. And this, this game is kind of a surprise to me that I picked it up. I, I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know why it appeals to me, but it does. And uh, I think the price point won me over. That game is Bullet Roulette VR. Came out on September 11th on Steam. It's in early access, so there, there's more to come. I think the, the developers said in their notes that they want to have it kind of finalized uh, and out of early access in maybe December, January. Right now they're just looking for feedback. Uh, but what's, what's there is pretty complete. And I'm going to be doing this review. Let me try and do the reviews in uh, in regards to the price, right? I'm taking a price into consideration for what's there because I do like to give it a numerical rating. So let's start from the top. What is Bullet Roulette VR? Well, as the name implies, it's a Russian roulette game. But there's uh, some 
additions to it. There's kind of like a card game built into it. So it's not just putting a bullet in the chamber, spinning it, shooting, and passing the gun around. A little bit more to that. It's set in like a Western theme. So you're like in this kind of a, a saloon. It's you and three other opponents sitting around a table. Uh, there's a guy playing the piano in the corner. There's a bartender and there's a, a, like a waitress walking around. And it's kind of this this kind of little bit of a creepy atmosphere. It's kind of cartoony-esque graphics, trying to describe it as best as possible. Uh, but the atmosphere in the game is is really good. I like it. I think they really pulled off um, um, kind of a good setting considering that you're playing this kind of dark game where you're putting a gun to your head and pulling the trigger. So good job for the for the for the devs on that uh the good graphics i like the uh i like the the characters that are in the game there's more than just four but i i don't think you can choose what your character looks like and you can't choose the computer opponents even though they they seemingly have their own personality not sure how many different characters are in the game maybe six seven eight at the most um they 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 look good even when you're playing against the ai the ai itself kind of the way the, the characters don't talk, but the way they, they, they motion with their hands or, or their head, they're, they're sort of believable in terms of, you know, you're not playing against a real person when you're playing against the AI, but they, they mimic maybe a real person quite well, and that's cool. So let's, let's talk about, let's go back to the objective and the overview of the game. This is Russian Roulette, but you're dealt three cards. So you start the game off, and it's usually you that goes first if you're playing against the AI. Obviously, it would be different if you're playing against people. Uh, you put the bullet in the chamber. Uh, you use your hand. You, you spin it. And then uh, you can you can put it to your head, pull the trigger. And if you, you don't kill yourself, then you get a coin. Okay, and the gun passes to the right. The coins, what they're used for is when if it comes back around to your turn and you have a coin, instead of putting the gun to your head and pulling the trigger, you can cash out a coin and then aim the gun at one of your opponents and pull the trigger. And obviously, if the bullet's in the chamber, you eliminate an opponent. Uh, what adds some strategy and makes this more than just pure luck of passing around a gun with a bullet in the chamber is that you have some cards. So out of the three cards, some of them might be like uh, a protection, like a bucket on your head. So if you pull the trigger and shoot yourself, you don't die. Uh, you kind of get an extra life. Uh, you can. Another card is adding another additional bullet to the chamber. So if you're going to turn the gun on your opponents, that's helpful. Another one is uh, spinning the chamber again. So if the gun comes around to you and you know that, you know, it's getting close to the fact that the bullet might be ready to be fired, you can spin the, the chamber again, hopefully increasing your odds of not shooting yourself in the head. Um, what else is it? There's like a reverse order thing, like a Uno thing where you can make the order go around the other way. Uh, there's a thing that makes you the sheriff so people can't shoot you. It's good. It reminds me of, I like board games. And uh, in the world of board games, there's kind of board games and card games that are like party games where it's like you can teach somebody the game in a matter of minutes. And, uh, you know, you can play these kind of 10-minute games and they go around really quick. And, and they're good for bringing out in parties. And this is kind of where this game falls into. It's not a game that you're going to... I don't know. You're not going to spend hours and hours on it, but it's a game that you can hop into, play a few times, maybe against even just the AI, and that's going to prove a little like a fun time killer. Or where the game I think would really shine is multiplayer, being able to play with other people. And there's laughs to be had. There's there's tension. There's drama. When you pull the gun up to your head and you're uh, before you pull the trigger, it's you, you just kind of hear your heart beating going. Um, Again, adding to the drama, you pull the trigger, you hear the click, you survive, you, your character sort of lets out a sigh. Uh, it's really cool. Uh, the, only, uh, the only issue right now is that, obviously, in VR, uh, there's not a ton of people in VR, and there's a lot of games out there, and this game can get lost in the shuffle. So if you want to play against strangers and you're trying to search for a game, uh, you might have a hard time finding games. I only, only once found another person playing the game. It's not that I'm trying all the time. But the times I do try, there's usually nobody else online playing it. So my recommendation would be, here's the beauty of it. The game is $5.99. If you have friends who have VR headsets, this is probably a good game to gift them. Because then you and your friends can hop in there uh, and play 15 minutes or play for hours. It's, it's up to you. But it's, it's a lot of fun, and it's going to really shine when it's multiplayer. Uh, the, AI, the AI does a good job, and you can have fun there. But this is definitely a multiplayer game. Uh, the sound in the game, I'll mention briefly, it's basically, 
you're going to hear this piano playing and you can actually turn around and shoot the piano player, I guess, which is it's kind of funny. Um, the AI characters don't talk and that's probably a good thing because then you need to have good voice actors and if you don't have good voice actors, th that's going to hurt the game. And uh, the other thing with voice lines is if you don't have a ton of voice lines, it's going to get annoying hearing the characters say the same thing over and over again. So having the AI not talk might be a blessing in this, in this situation. But the sounds are good. The graphics are good. Last ability, again, it's, it's $5.99. You're going to kind of jump in and have some fun here and there. Buy it for your friends. Uh, treat them to the game. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I think I'm, I, this game surprised me. I, I really like it. I thought it's a good time. I can see this game being really good on the Quest because it's cheap. There's a lot of people that have the Quest. People on the Quest are looking for multiplayer games. It's the kind of thing, if you even have friends, you can sit around a real table in your house, put on your Quest and play this, and it's going to mimic that. Um, I don't know, like you're playing a board game with friends but transporting you to another place. I can I can totally see that working. And hopefully it does come out, the, out for the Quest and they do cross-play because that will breathe new life into this game. But... Um, for what it is, $5.99, I definitely recommend it. Uh, I'll give it a rating because uh, I like to give games ratings. So the, my rating scale is 0 to 2. Don't wish this game on your worst enemy. A 3 to 5 is when we all make mistakes. 6 to 8 is solid game. 9 to 10 is buy it. I'm going to give this a 7.5. Uh, I bought it. I, I do recommend buying it. I'm not going to give it a, a 9 or 10 uh, just because it's it's sort of sort of limited. doesn't have a ton of last ability. But what it sets out to do, it does very well. It looks good, sounds good. I like the elements of the cards in the game. It keeps it interesting, adds some strategy. I think where it falters is just that this game shines as a multiplayer game and you can't go out and buy it and just play with strangers because a lot of times you're not gonna find people on there. And maybe that's also making the match play system a little bit better because there's no like lobbies. You just sort of hit find a game and it will look for a game for what feels like 10 seconds and then tell you there's no game. Uh, or the option is to create a game, but again, it's not like a lobby system. So maybe if they improve that, that might help the search. The, I feel like they, they got to do some problem solving on their end. If there was a community that was always playing this game, you can always pop into game and interact with people. Then I think that 7.5 might go up to like an 8.5 or even a nine, especially at the price point of 599. But it's a great game. Buy it, buy a couple copies for your friends and have some fun with it. That's Bullet Roulette VR. Okay, and the next and final game for the review of this episode is Vanishing Realms. Vanishing Realms was officially released out of early access in October 23rd, and it's available on Steam for $19.99. On the day that it came out of early access, uh, they also came out with some DLC for $14.99. And I would say the base game takes about two hours to get through, and the DLC, from what I understand, is maybe another maybe four to six hours of content. Before I get into this review, I want to have some caveats, and there's some controversy around it. Uh, first of all, even though it came out of early access in 2019, this game has been around since 2016. And I played it a couple years ago when I first got my VR headset, and I thought it was pretty good, and I thought it was kind of a, a must-have game. Obviously, a lot of time has moved on. This We're talking three years. So part of this review is going to talk about how it, 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 it's held up. But the controversy is that this game has been in early access for three years. Now, when you see a game in early access, that means it's still like kind of being worked on. It's being developed, and you expect more content to come. Oftentimes, in early access, you're willing to... You're, you're, you're paying for a game that's not complete, but... A lot of times, the, the the cost of the game is cheaper than if it officially came out. So let's say that there's a game when it kind of released, and the game would be 30 bucks. Maybe in early access, because it's an incomplete game, and you're sort of playing this beta, right? Maybe it's $15, but it comes out of early access, and over those course of years, they've added so much more content uh, that brings it up to a game that is probably worthy of a $30 price point. So you kind of jump into early access because... You'll, you'll pay it at a lower price point with the promise that more content is going to be added in there and it's going to get better. It's a way of experiencing the game without waiting and also showing support for a developer. The problem with this is that the developer didn't treat this like an early access game. Uh, there really wasn't any content updates from when it first came out other than some bug fixes. 
it didn't add more to the game uh, because when it was released, it was it came out of early access and it was essentially the same game that came out in in 2016. I actually had to I I I went back and I played the game again because I wanted to play the DLC and I was excited to hear that the DLC was released. But the weird thing is, uh, I had to switch computers, so maybe this is the case, but I don't I don't think so. It lost my save, so I had to replay the whole game last month which only took me two hours to replay because I, I kind of knew what to do and there's just not that much to it for, for uh, to get through the base game. And then uh, I tried the DLC and I actually ended up refunding it because I was just sort of bored by the first hour of it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to that, but that's the controversy. A lot of people in their reviews are start slamming it because of it, the way this the early access was abused or kind of the promise of early access never took to fruition. And then instead of adding the DLC as kind of like what maybe should have been in the base game, suddenly the developers charging for it. It was just handled, just handled wrong, right? And uh, it should be noted that this is one person who's designing the game. All right, so there's just, uh, it's not a team, one person. Okay, let's talk about overview and objective. This is a game that is a solo. It's uh, not a multiplayer game. It's an RPG. Uh, the graphics, again, are not like going for realism. It's not like a Skyrim type of thing. It's a more basic, uh, more cartoony-esque game. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't look bad. It looks like a game that one, one, one person made. It looks fine. I think at the time when it came out, it was impressive. It looked good. My criticism of this game is that, number one, it's sort of a hollow experience. You kind of move forward, move forward. You're, you're going through like this this dungeon but there's not a lot of atmosphere to it. It's kind of quiet. You don't have a sense of dread or anything like that. When an enemy comes up or appears, it's usually maybe one enemy or two. Rarely is there a lot of enemies, which is fine. I understand that's got to be that way. The high point is is the combat. The combat's actually it's good. You can't just kind of wiggle your controller around and, and hit an enemy with your sword. You've got to block. Uh, when you attack, they they block appropriately, so you got to parry. You got to you got to put some thought into the combat. It's good. I do a great job with this. There's there's a um, there's a bow you can use. There's a wand, sword, things like that. But the way you kind of move, you you move through the thing. You fight an enemy, fight two enemies, then you move through the thing again, and rinse, wash, and repeat. Little sense of atmosphere. I don't even I don't even know if there's any music in the game. If there's music in the game, it's few and far in between. It's just it's just kind of a it's just kind of empty feeling. That's 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 the best way to describe it. When I played this game two years ago and I just got my VR headset, it was great because we're starved for content and something like this really shines. It's but now it feels like just a tech demo from several years ago. And the DLC adds a little bit more to it, but even the first hour of the DLC, it's more of the same. Right, there's more content, but it's more of the stuff that you were doing. Walk a little bit, maybe fight a little, an, an enemy or two, solve a little bit of puzzle, walk a little bit more. But again, not amazing graphics, not an amazing environment, uh, no great musical score, no amazing sound effects. Same old combat as the other enemies, and, and adjusting. You know, there's there's only so many enemies, certainly in the, in the base game. And once you get there, the rhythm of the combat down, it's just rinse, wash, repeat. It doesn't. This game doesn't hold up well, especially when there's games like um, Vanishing Realms, which I th- I'm sorry, not Vanishing Realms, but uh, Carnage Chronicles. So, Carnage Chronicles is a game that is like in this spirit. It's a dungeon crawler, but Carnage Chronicles, in their early access for a game, I think that's like 25 bucks, you're gonna get maybe six to eight hours of content. It's done by a team of three people, so you there's just more in there. The characters that you interact with the the NPCs actually talk and the graphics and environments are more varied they're more beautiful there's more to look at uh, there's more enemies to fight uh, there's more uh, stuff that you can buy off your gold which in vanishing realms there's this you get gold and stuff but there's only a few things to actually buy uh, it's just not worth it again one person made this game impressive in 2016 in 2019 not so much because it's got some competition now so I'd say if you're if you want an RPG dungeon crawl, which I do, I'm I'm waiting for a game that's like a Diablo, right? Like that'd be awesome. Uh, Carnage Chronicles is going to be your thing. Last ability in this, uh, 
not much. A game that the base game you can just kind of walk through in two hours. Uh, I, I I wouldn't waste your money on the DLC, especially if you're unimpressed with those two hours. The immersion is lacking. It's just not anything to really draw you in. The, uh, the, the combat's good, so that's good for the immersion, but that's it. The controls, uh, it was a game that when it first came out was just kind of uh, teleport, and it, it does have smooth locomotion, but your character moves so slow compared to other games that have smooth locomotion. My guess is that it has you moving so slowly because if you can move at almost like a normal pace, it's going to turn this two-hour game into like an hour game. It's like almost artificially extending the time of it. So it's it's funny. I mean, we've made progress since 2016, and our standard of what makes for a good game has gone up. There's more competition. I can't I can't really recommend this game to anybody right now, except for somebody who maybe just got a VR headset. This is not a bad game to start with, because you start off a game like this, which is which is enjoyable enough. And if you enjoyed that, you'll probably be blown away by it. And then you can graduate to a game like Carnage Chronicles, right? Versus if you start off a game like Carnage Chronicles, which is maybe sets the bar for a built-from-VR RPG, you're not going to go back and want to play Vanishing Realms. It's going to feel like a, a, a downstep. So maybe new players, this is worth something, especially if it goes on sale. But veteran, uh, PC, enthusiast VR players uh, pass on this. There, there's better RPG games out there. So if I had to put a rating on it, I'm going to put at this point... Oh uh, man, a 5.5. It's just it's just not a great game to grab for 2019, you know, versus maybe when it came out in 2016, it would have been uh 7.5, maybe even an 8, right? But now a 5.5 for Vanish Your Realms. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the VR Gaming Podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with me and interact, you can do so in the following ways. You can send me an email uh, via vrgamingpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer on the show uh, or recommendations of games I should check out. I appreciate that as well. Please uh, consider following the show on Twitter. That's my main point of interaction. The uh, Twitter handle for that is, is at podcastvr. Also on Facebook, but be honest i spend most of my time on twitter so that would be the place i'd recommend you uh you, you check it out and follow me on there thanks again for everybody listening and i will catch you next month take care